Almighty God, uh, the one whom we can also call our Heavenly Father because of the Lord Jesus, um, we do want to acknowledge your greatness and your majesty, your authority and power this morning. We want to praise you and thank you that you have given us your living word that we might know you and walk in your way. And we do all need to have our ears and hearts opened. Um, Father, uh, we depend on you even for that. So we ask in your mercy and your grace to us this morning, you would um, help us to listen, help us to hear you speak, we pray. Um, and may the, the thoughts of my heart and the, uh, the, um, the meditations that you've given me to think upon this particular passage this week, Father, be, uh, be those which bring glory to you um, and uh, which open up uh, your truth to our hearts so that we may go away from here, not with heads filled with knowledge, but with hearts um, which adore you and, and want to follow you. Uh, so please come and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me just grab, uh, grab a swig of water. And um, have we got, we've got some slides. I don't need them just so long as we've got some that we can use. I've got a clicker that I can use. Um, and it would be helpful if you've got that uh, passage that we're looking at in Acts open in front of you, Acts chapter 6, and those first few verses. And let me start by saying this. Do you know there are two types of person in the world, two types of people in the world, okay? Uh, there are those who finish films, and there are those who start films but kind of rarely get to the end of them, yeah? Um, so, um, so I don't know which are you. Um, are you are you are you somebody that always finishes what you've started like that? If you've got Netflix, um, have you got like loads and loads of stuff in the um, continue watching section of your Netflix? Yeah, uh, are you like that, uh, or or do you get to the end of them? M maybe it's the same with books. Are you the type of person that has got a load of books on your shelf or whatever it is, your um, where which have just a half started and you haven't finished? Is that you? That's me. I'm a bit like that. Um, or are you the type of person that loves to get to the end? Um, which makes sense, doesn't it? Because we know endings um, are really important, aren't they? The last word is important. The last word of a, a, word of a film. Uh, the last word of a book. Um, <clears throat> the last word of an argument, dare I say, <laughs> is important. That men um, and teenage boys, listen carefully, women always have the last word in an argument. Okay, It's really important that we know that. Anything a man says after that is the beginning of a new argument. Okay, So you've got to be really, really clear about that. Okay, The last word is important. Now, you might not have realized it, but we have come to the, the end of something this morning here. And you may not have realized that. Um, we've come to the end of the first major bit in this book of Acts. Um, the book which teaches us what the gospel is. Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. The only name under heaven by which uh, we, may, we may be saved. And it teaches us how the good news spread. Uh, do you remember early in, in Acts, it goes from Jerusalem... Help me out here, guys. From Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, which we are saying is speak. Okay, so we got that clear, yeah? Um, uh, and, 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 which, and we've come to the end of the first section 
of that, um, which makes this a, a strange little story to get the last the last word, isn't it? These these seven verses. Um, it's just a short paragraph, isn't it? But this paragraph brings the focus, which has been on Jerusalem, to an end. And what happens after this? We get a, a sermon from Stephen. And the message begins to move out and spread out into the second part, into Judea and Samaria. Um, so this is, this is the ending of a major part in Acts. Um, and endings matter. Um, so you might think, you might be puzzled why, why this strange story should have so much significance. Um, one thing we can be sure of, it's a very, very important story because it's right at the end. And Luke doesn't want us to miss it because it's right at the end. So we're asking ourselves a question. What's the main message in these verses, in this little, this little paragraph at the end? Um, well, just to be sure we don't miss it, he begins and ends with the main message. So have a look with me. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 begins in those days. And we say, well, what days? Well, glance up at the sentence before, chapter 5 and verse 42. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped, what? That's it. Teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, so in those days of teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ, what? Chapter 6, verse 1. The number of disciples is increasing. So listen, listen, listen carefully. The main message is this. The church grows and people are added to the kingdom of God when priority is given to preaching and teaching the word of God. Got some slides to help as we go through this. Um, just some pictures I'm going to use. Six pictures, really, uh, just to keep us on track and help us if we get lost. Okay? Priority. The church grows and people are added to the kingdom of God when priority is given to preaching and teaching the word of God. That was at the beginning. Now glance down at the end, verse 7. Or the end of the end, if you like, because this is the very last verse before we move on in Acts out into Judea and Samaria. What does it say? So the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. What happens when the word of God spreads through the teaching and proclaiming the church grows? The church grows when priority is given to preaching and teaching. Now, with all sorts of models and ideas of how church grows, which we can have, do you really believe that? Let's just pause there for a moment. Do you really believe that this morning? Do you really, really, in your heart of hearts, believe that this morning? You can notice for another thing that Luke groups this, this little bit here with the attacks on the gospel that we've seen in the last few weeks. Physical violence, that was last week and then three weeks ago. And false religion, two weeks ago with Ananias and Sapphira. So, so this is the third of a group of three attacks, if you like. In other words, it's really serious. Um, and we need to pay close attention and think carefully about what today in our church might threaten what Luke says is a priority, a key priority, um, and what, what might threaten that and hinder growth. 
Okay, so that's where we're going. The story itself divides into three for us, or that's how I'm going to do it this morning. Um, Number one, preaching and teaching under threat. Secondly, preaching and teaching prioritized. And then thirdly, we're just going to ask the question, so what? You know, so what? What does that mean to me? Um, And I'm going to try and be as practical as I can about that. Okay, so first of all, preaching and teaching under threat. Will somebody read verses one and two for us? Nice and loud. Cool, thanks, Elaine. Uh, Two things to notice, first off, okay? There's a serious issue. And secondly, there's an undercurrent of them and us. Right, first of all, a serious issue in this section. What's going on here is a complaint. It's about the daily distribution of food to widows. I said I'm going to use six pictures, so let's just use that one there just just to help us to focus, Okay. So widows. Now, remember, there were no job seekers allowances and no pension and no welfare um, benefits and that sort of thing where in the context that Luke is writing to. And if you were a woman, um, and I think probably when it's talking about widows in verse one, that's what it's referring to here. Uh, when the man of the house died, um, uh, who was the main breadwinner and the main sort of the person who um, who dealt with the outside world, as it were. Um, and, and, and in many ways protected the rest of the family from that, then the death of the husband as the main breadwinner left women and children in that kind of context highly vulnerable. Um, uh, even as it has today, even with the welfare system that we have and the safety net that we have, uh, we know how difficult that can be for, for somebody in a situation like that. This is a, it's a serious issue. It was a serious and important matter. And the gospel, gloriously, makes people care about that kind of stuff, doesn't it? Um, and we've seen that already in chapters 2 and 4, where we've heard about individual Christians selling land or houses. In other words, selling capital um, as, the need, as they recognize needs arising in, their, um, in, in the church setting. And so James as well, in, in, in the book of James, um, will say this, and I, this is my translation, but it's what he says, genuine faith, he say this to us, genuine faith is this, to care for orphans and widows. And the gospel has that effect, doesn't it? Causes us to care in that way. Um, and in a church that here, at this point, probably numbers something like 10,000, in Jerusalem, um, uh, well, well, that that was some amount of care needed, you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in a number of that many. But the way that Luke tells it, this is more than merely a problem of numbers. It seems because it seems that mixed in with all that is an undercurrent of kind of them and us. Um, did you notice that again in verse one? He says, um, he says the. The, the, the now Christians who had been Grecian Jews were complaining against the now Christians who had been Hebraic Jews. Okay. Um, now, now, how can I explain this? 
as simply as I can. It's a little bit like this, though it's not the same, okay? Um, Scouse Christians, okay, and say London Christians, Scouse Christians and London Christians together in the same church, okay? It hadn't ought to make any difference at all. We know that. Um, But in reality, if the London Christians were a bit different, you know, maybe they were a bit posh. Um, maybe they, you know, they had brioche at breakfast time and couscous and stuff like that, you know. Um, and the Scouse Christians were, you, you know, you down to earth lot, yeah. Um, well, sometimes prejudices and differences can surface, can't they? And they become exaggerated when that sort of thing happens. And in and in this case. They even aroused suspicion. When Luke says that the Hebraic widows were being overlooked, well, you know, you can, we can picture, can't we, the, 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 the finger pointing um, and the word that might have been said behind that. Okay? Um, I've just put a picture there just to remind us where we're going with this. Okay? So the finger pointing. And all this, all this is the situation, these two things here. This is the situation that becomes the setting for seeing how the, prior, the priority is maintained here. Okay, The serious issue, the very serious issue of caring for the poor and the needy. And secondly, this undercurrent of them and us, both putting the preaching and the teaching under threat. Okay, So that's the first one, preaching and teaching under threat. Now let's see preaching and teaching prioritized. Question, how do the apostles respond to this threat? Answer, We can see it there, can't we? By delegating the serious need and making sure that preaching and teaching remained for them the priority. Okay? Just to keep us on track. So verse 2, the 12 apostles gathered all the disciples together, which, remember, something like 10,000 in the church then. That was some meeting, wasn't it? Can you imagine that? 10,000 in this meeting, and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. And verse 4, we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Or more literally, they're saying it would not be right for us to neglect serving up the word of God and prayer to serve up for the widow's in need. And we need to notice that the 12 don't say it wasn't important, but that it wasn't their job. They don't say it wasn't important. Quite the opposite, in fact. Did you notice? By deliberately referring to both of these, these things, the, uh, the preaching and the teaching and the serving the widows as acts of service, they elevate to its rightful place what we might tend to delegate. Uh, uh, they, sorry, they elevate to its rightful place what we might tend to relegate the practical. And also, notice it's a practical problem re- re- requiring the best person for the job. Verse three, he says, "Brothers, choose seven men from among you." This is remember. This is seven from among ten thousand. Okay, Um, who are known, he says, who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Choose a few good men. 
and they're known. Seven out of 10,000, full of the Spirit. What does that mean there? What, what, what does he mean? Well, in Acts, remember, to be full of the Spirit has to do with proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. So, in other words, he says, choose men with the conviction that teaching and proclaiming Jesus Christ is key. And these seven guys are impressive enough to be known as standout from a group of 10,000. Okay, This isn't the second division by any stretch. And the fact that Stephen preaches the longest sermon in Acts in chapter um, 7, which we're going to come to um, after the half-term break, and that Philip is seen as an evangelist in chapter 8, and both of those names are, are among the seven, um, we can certainly add teaching and proclaiming competency to teaching and pro- proclaiming conviction that they obviously had. Okay, There's nothing in this to suggest that the matter wasn't important, nor that the people who, handled, who were to handle it were sort of second rate or second division. But for the apostles, and this is the key thing, isn't it? The teaching and the preaching was prioritized um, as this and other important and significant matters were handed over to seven good men, which meant, verse 4, that the apostles could give their attention to preaching and the minister to, to prayer and the ministry of the word and prayer is a is a right partner isn't it to the the preaching and the proclaiming of jesus without prayer already we've seen in acts without prayer no boldness without prayer no protection without prayer no opportunity for the word to be spoken without prayer no open hearts ready to receive and believe it So they gave their attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the result, verse 5, the whole church approved of this idea. Okay, unanimous among 10,000. Wow. Um, And they chose and commissioned into service seven good men, verse 6. The serious threat was averted. The important issue was dealt with. The teaching and preaching was prioritized. And then verse 7. There it is, look. The word of God Spread And so the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number, Luke says, of priests even, of priests even, who nine verses earlier were so furious that they wanted the message and the messengers killed, became obedient to the faith. Faced with a serious need and an undercurrent of them and us, the apostles delegated the serious needs to a few good men and prioritized the task of preaching and teaching to those called to do it. Someone once said, you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage, pleasantly, smilingly, non-apologetically, to say no to other things. And the way you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside you. And the bigger yes is there in verse 7, isn't it? That's the big yes. So let's bring this into land with the so what, okay? So what? Well, let me say this. As a church, it is our collective responsibility to ensure that those who have been set apart to the task of teaching and preaching are freed up to do it. 
Yes, as we've seen in Acts, all Christians are called to speak boldly about Jesus uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But it is also true that Christ gives specific spiritual gifts to people in church whose primary mission is to preach and teach. And Steve and I are teaching elders here at Speak Baptist Church. In other words, me and Steve need to make it our priority, our primary mission, our number one priority to preach and teach. And you need to make sure that we make that our primary mission and number one priority. Let me ask you, how many people are there here in Speak, roughly speaking? Anybody know? Roughly speaking. About 12,000? Is that about right? About 12,000? Okay, another question then. How many people do you think God has set aside in Speak whose primary mission is to preach and teach the gospel to the people of Speak? That Jesus Christ is Saviour and Lord and there's no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. How many people do you think that God has called to that task? Any ideas? Well, is that going on in a lot of other places in Speak? Okay, so if it's happening here and God has called two people to do that, well, so let's say that's two. So do the numbers. 12,000 divided by two is... Okay, 6,000. Okay, one, one per 6,000 uh, in order to, to, to proclaim that, that, that good news. Is that a good ratio to you? Would you, would you want it more? You want it better than that? Would you like to bring it down to more like 1,000? One per thousand, would that still be too many? If that's how church grows and men and women and boys and girls are saved from a godless eternity, do you really want those whose primary mission is teaching and preaching to be doing anything else, is the question. Um, And do you know what? I thank God that I belong to a church which knows the importance of this and really, really gets it. And really takes this seriously and frees me up um, and Steve up in all sorts of ways from the stuff that basically keeps the trains running um, so that Steve and I are able to be devoted to that task that you know, so many of you know, is, is the most important thing for us. Okay, Keeping the trains running. Okay, That's the that's complete the, the set for you. Okay, When Steve and I were chatting about this earlier in the week, um, we made a, a list... Um, uh, 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 basically of stuff that needs to get done here at Speak Baptist Church week in a week out so that the preaching and the teaching can get done. Okay, The stuff that keeps the, the, the trains on the track. Um, it just needs to, to be done. Um, like, for example, this. Setting up for Sunday services. Safeguarding. Text reminders during the week. Lifts. Meal rotors. Hospital visits, cleaning up, junior church rotors, notice sheets, welcoming in the knowers. Good list, isn't it? Child care, um, general building maintenance, opening and closing the building, treasury, fundraising, missions updates. Uh, meeting minutes and, and, and sending those sort of minutes round. Fixing the Christmas tree. Here's the list. 
just to keep the trains running. And you know, I'm so thankful that I belong to a church that gets this, that gets this. You know, um, I'm going to embarrass people, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but take Michelle, for example. She calls on our seniors each Sunday morning to give them a lift so they could get to church. Okay? It's there, isn't it? Or Rachel, she's not here, so she won't be embarrassed, who's been faithful for many years in putting together the junior church rotor and stepping in when people are absent. Or Andrea, who sacrifices a day of work to come and manage the Noahs on a Thursday and basically single-handedly keeps this place running (laughs) in all sorts of admin stuff that she, she, uh, she sorts out. Um, or, or Sarah and Helen, um, who give oodles of time in, in, uh, in safeguarding issues, making sure that we're compliant here in safeguarding in that particular area. Um, or Janice, I'm not going to embarrass her because she's out with the, with the kids, but who gets up at an unearthly hour um, to get the bus here, come rain or snow or whatever the weather's like, the first Sunday each month to get here early to set out communion. You know, we could say, going through that list, our few good men are a few good women, aren't they? Aren't they? Um, Or Kosh and Jane, who are heavily involved in the fabric of the building, and Kosh with treasury on top of all their other responsibilities. Or Weston, who only this week said, yeah, Anthony, I'll cover your your Tuesday in the Noahs in a a fortnight's time, because you can't be there, as he has done on many, countless occasions um, before. Or Joe and the music group who get here early um, on Sundays and set aside time in the week so that we can be seen and heard um, and worship. These are just a few examples. These are just a few examples. There are many, many others. So that Steve and I can get on with the primary task of preaching and teaching that we've been called to. Uh, uh, which looks like what? what? What what do we get up to? Well, don't turn to it now, but in Acts chapter 20, um, much further on in the book where we are now, and onwards, Paul's farewell to the Ephesians. He tells them what he's been doing among them, um, teaching publicly and from house to house. And, you know, the word that keeps coming up again and again, preach, teach, declare, testify, preach, declare, proclaim, warn. This is just in a, in a few verses. This is what Paul has been up to. That's That's, that's the job there. So that what? Verse 7. So that what? So that the word of God would spread and the number of disciples increased rapidly. So let me, if I can, finish really practically. Um, How do we exercise our collective responsibility to keep preaching and teaching the priority for those who've been set aside uh, to it? Um, In reverse order, let me give you three things to think about, okay? In reverse order, thirdly, I think it's from the, from the story here. Let me say this. Don't allow the, 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 the finger pointing, the them and us. Have I lost that now? Yeah, you know the, the, the finger pointing? The them and us, the prejudices and the petty suspicions about one another to undermine this priority. Um, those kinds of things within church life, you know, let me, let me say they draw away enormous amounts of time and energy. Um, and they make the, the gospel ugly. Um, so pay close attention to the, to the one and other verses in the Bible, let's, as a church. Here's a few. Let me just say these. Accept one another. Romans 15. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. 
Ephesians 4. Bear with and forgive one another. Colossians 3. Be devoted to one another in love. Romans 12. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Philippians 2. You know, if, 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 if that's the area that you, you recognize in yourself, and a list would be helpful in order to think through those one another verses, um, then phone me or email me in the week and I'll send you a list. And just, just meditate through those, those verses. So important, isn't it, when um, the them and us, prejudices and suspicions, sap energy and make the gospel so, so ugly. Um, so that's the third thing. Secondly, Practically, pray for Steve and I to stay focused on the task that we've been set apart for. Let me tell you, there are all sorts of temptations against it. By and large, we manage our own time. At least half of our week, um, Bible reading and study and preparation and private prayer is completely unseen by anyone else. It doesn't just, you don't see it. You just don't see it. Um, but if we stop doing that, you'd soon know about it. Um, and let me tell you honestly, most weeks it's like holding back a tidal wave with a paper cup to keep from seeing that most important work drowned by a thousand and one other things. It really is. If necessary, prize our fingers off stuff we shouldn't be involved in. If necessary, say to us, that's not your job. Um, get, get, get this out. Acts chapter 6 verse 7, put it under our noses, you know. Underline, bold, capital, with a cherry on top. That's not your job. When someone says the pastor didn't visit me in hospital when I was having a corn removed, you, you may have to step in and defend him. You may have to say, no, no, I, I, I want him to make teaching and preaching the priority. That's secondly. Number one, number one, finally, ask yourself, how am I contributing to the war effort? How am I contributing to keeping the trains running on time has the big yes of verse 7 rung in your ears as God through Luke intends it now listen you might not be the greatest evangelist but this is a terribly encouraging word here to you by keeping the trains running you are playing your part in making verse 7 a reality here in speak and that's exciting isn't it we may not be the greatest evangelist or be able to proclaim as much as we might want to but if we're keeping the trains running, we are contributing to that work very, very crucially and importantly. So here's just one idea. Let me get really practical, okay? Welcoming on a Sunday. Wouldn't it be great if as a result of somebody hearing this message today, or perhaps listening to it on the audio, we had a handful of guys, four or five guys, step forward and say, we're going to take responsibility to get here half an hour earlier on a Sunday morning to set the chairs and the microphones out well and to be ready to welcome people um, at the door as they arrive. All sorts of ways in which we can apply this practically, but there's just one very practical suggestion. Well, let me finish. Serving the widows keeping the trains running, or serving the word. Both are serious needs. Uh, and no one is more important than the other. But woe betide that church where those called to one task or the other don't keep the main thing the main thing. 
And if, and if serving sounds second rate to you, then remember Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he could finish by saying, Speak Baptist Church needs a few good men and women. Speak Baptist Church needs a few good men and women and teenagers. Let's bow our heads and, and pray, and then we're going to sing. Perhaps the music group will come up and be ready for us. Father, we thank you as we come to the end of this first major section in Acts. We've seen um, the wonderful um, uh, power of your spirit and word together, um, saving people, bringing them from death to life, and your church growing in just this incredible momentum. We thank you for what you've taught us over these, these weeks, Father, in that. And we thank you and praise you that Jesus is the name under heaven by which we can be saved. We thank you that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for men and women, boys and girls, who would otherwise be separated from our great and mighty heavenly father on account of their sin. Thank you that Jesus is the rescuer and saviour. Thank you that Jesus set his face resolutely to go to the cross because he knew that was the only way that we could be saved. Thank you that he was single-minded in that. And we pray that you would make us single-minded in the call to the kingdom to reach out to the lost, to play our part in that, Father, to respond generously to the needs of the poor um, and especially of Christian brothers and sisters, to earnestly contend for the unity in our church, uh, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And to say no to things because we have a bigger yes burning inside us. To see men and women, boys and girls, and a large number from speak, we pray, Father, becoming obedient to the faith. Father, help us in these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.